Thank you, Noah. Praise God. One of those prayers, I think, was from last week. <laughs> uh, the one from Miss uh, uh, Sheree's friend. I mean, Chanel's friend. But you can never get too much prayer, amen? Well, we're going to talk about the compassion of Christ today. Uh, amen. Give Christ a hand. He is full of compassion. <clears throat> And there is nothing that Jesus will not do for you. Amen. We never, we can never talk enough about Jesus. Never say enough about him. Amen. And on this Resurrection Sunday, we need to talk about him every day, but especially on the day that he rose from the grave. Amen. Now, this was his darkest hour when he was on that cross. Some people think that it was not a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice. And he was, he went to that cross as mere man, not as the savior of the world. He didn't go there as God in the flesh. He went there as mere man. And so whatever he endured on the cross for me and you, that's how he felt how we would have felt if we went to the cross. And see, we need to remember that, but for some reason we are, because I used to think that too, though, he was God and it wasn't as bad. But this is the reason why we need to identify with him and identify with his suffering, identify with what he did on that cross, every strike that he took, we need to identify with it. Amen. So we're going to talk about his compassion. Father, we thank you and we praise you for this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. And we thank you, Father, for your word. We want to hear from heaven. And we want to be healed in every way, spiritually, physically, and mentally. And we give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And praise God. Hallelujah. So uh, Matthew eight seventeen, you don't have to go there, but it says um, by his stripes we were healed, that he was nailed for our sins. Bore, he bore our sicknesses, and he was nailed to that cross for our sins. And so we need to remember that, amen? And so we all know the scripture, but it's not about building churches, and I think this is what I got out of everything that God showed me today. It's not about building bigger churches. It's not about building bigger buildings. Amen. It's not about who has the most people or who has the least. But it's all about Jesus, what he's done for us. Amen. He died for me. Say he died. Jesus died for me. And say Jesus died for you. Amen. He died for you and me. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we need to remember that in everyday life, that Jesus died for me and you. Hallelujah. So why don't we turn to Psalm 145. We'll get started there. Hallelujah. Talking about the compassion of Christ. He has great compassion for his people. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. Oh, let's see. Psalm, like I said. Hallelujah. Psalm 145. Did I say 45? Okay, 145, in case I didn't. 
Now, Jesus cares about us, and I think after reading these scriptures, we'll find out just how much he cares. Amen. It's about experiencing his love for us, and that's what we need to understand. Amen. He loved us. And this is why I think so many people don't succeed in life because, number one, they don't believe that Jesus loves them. They just don't feel it. But it's not a feeling. <laughs> it's not really not a it, I think it becomes a feeling at some point. But, you know, when you first get to know the Lord, it's really not a feeling. Amen. But it's what you know about him. Hallelujah. If you know him, uh, Christ must dwell in your heart. I think as time goes by and as we get to know him, he starts to dwell in our hearts. And we start to understand and know him and feel his presence. And, and we start to partake of who he is, what he is, what he stood for. And then our troubles start to melt away because Jesus wants to bear every problem that we have. Just like he bore our sicknesses and carried our sorrows, he wants to personally uh, have a relationship with you where you feel comfortable telling him everything that's wrong, man. And we need to get comfortable talking to Jesus because he is right with us. The Bible says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So he is with us. Amen. He's not like some friends. You know, one day you're great and the next day, well, you know. (laughs) See, Jesus is not like that. He's your friend every day. He doesn't turn on you. Amen. When trouble comes, you know, you see these people when you get in trouble, they don't know you. But Jesus is not like that. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And what that means is he's with you in the good days. He's with you in the bad times. He's with you all the time. He never leaves us, nor does he forsake us. He's always there for us to communicate with and to um, to share with, to talk to. And uh, sometimes you just need to make sense of life. Well, he's the one to talk to about that. He's the one that we need to allow uh, to explain life to us. Amen. And then we're to mirror him. You know, what Jesus did, we're to do. He was full of compassion, and so we're supposed to be full of compassion for others. Amen. So he's our, our example, and we need to understand and know that. So Jesus cares about us all the time. Amen. And we should expect more out of him that we do. But what do we do? We go to people. Amen. Because, well, they're, you know, they're in the natural realm where he is, too, because he's alive. Jesus is not dead, but he is alive. So Psalm 145. And let's go to verse, let's see, 8. It says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger. Praise God and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. So everything that Jesus does, he does it with mercy. Amen. Hallelujah. Everything he speaks to you has mercy in it. Every everything that you 
you ask him to do when when he does it there's mercy present amen hallelujah and so everything that you see in him you know uh let's see now what was i going to say well when we see him we should see the father that's number one and when you go to him you're going to your father amen hallelujah because he is one with the father he's one with the holy spirit amen the three is one but they do uh have individual personalities and so you we have to recognize each one for who and what they are um the lord is good to all and his tender mercies are all over his works and let's see verse 10 says all your works shall praise you O lord and your saints shall bless you and they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power amen hallelujah so we're supposed to brag on jesus because i'm telling you he brags on us he's proud of what we do for him when you do something for the sake of the kingdom, Jesus is right there backing you up. Amen. And he brags on his people. He's proud of us because we're his, uh, exa- he's our example and we, uh, represent him in every way. Amen. Let's go to Matthew 9. Matthew 9. in verse 35 hallelujah okay and this is talking about the compassion of jesus it says and then jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Amen. This is a a perfect example of how uh, Jesus viewed the world. Excuse me. When you see people who are not serving him, those who don't know him, those that are lost, those that are crying out, you know, for what we know and for what we have to say, he has pity on them. Amen. And that pity is not in a a bad way. That pity means that he has compassion for them because he know that they're a confused generation. See, when you don't know Jesus, when you have not confessed Christ, he's concerned about you. And so when that's why it says here, when he saw the multitude, let's see, what verse was that? In verse 36, it says, and when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered. That means that they didn't have a shepherd. They're unsaved. Like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That's how he jumped the subject and went to the harvest because that's who he's concerned about. He is concerned about those that don't know him. 
And that's why we should be praying for a great harvest. Everybody's heart should be on the harvest. Those that don't know God, from our neighbors to our family members to just people that you don't even know, when you pass them by, what should be in your heart is, God, do you want me to speak to them? You know, and this is where the body of Christ is moving. God is moving us uh, and training us for this purpose for the the harvest. Amen. And a lot of people are concerned about building churches, but it's time for us to go out out of the churches and <laughs> not bringing them in, going out of the four walls and uh, ministering Christ to every creature. And this is the great mandate. Amen. For the church is is to bring those in who need Christ, need a touch, need a word. Amen. Bring them into the the uh, fold of heaven, you know, to bring them not so much as into the church, but into the uh, the fold of Christ where they belong to him, where they become his sheep and he becomes their shepherd. And so this is what our main concern need to be in these these hours is the same thing Jesus is concerned about. He's concerned about those that don't know him. That's the multitude. And this is why Jesus was always out there preaching the gospel to them, going healing the sick, sick, uh, opening the eyes to the blind, you know, and all of these things. He did that for a purpose because he did not want them to perish. And so that should be our heart. That should be our heart's cry that we don't want to see any perish but all come to repentance. And so this was what was on the heart of God. Amen. To when he saw the multitudes, he was full of compassion. Now what do us church people do when we see those that don't know God? We criticize and we talk about them. But the Bible says he was full of compassion. Because he knew that they didn't know. They had no wisdom of who he was. They had no wisdom of what was going on or why they, you know, why they um, had such hard times. Why they had so many problems because they didn't know him. Amen. So Jesus knew the world needed a savior. And this is why he was concerned about them. He was concerned. He wanted us to go ye. And this is why he trained his disciples to go and preach the gospel. And this is what we are here for. We're not in the kingdom to look good and and get prestige, you know, and all of this stuff that we see going on in the church. Now, it's not I'm not going to say it's wrong to care about building a church, but your church is really in and outside of the walls. It's not about how big uh, of offerings you can get or what important famous speaker you can get to come in. It's about Jesus, and it's about the people that he loved, the people that he care about, you know, those who are lost, those that don't know that he loves them. You know, sometimes just a, a, a word to people, uh, anybody, you know, when you go to the market, that's where I feel like I started in ministry was in the market every week. And sometimes twice a week I went, didn't have any money. And I, I would say, God, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm going in here. But somewhere on the inside, I knew why I was there. <laughs> and then he would 
before I was in there five or ten minutes, there would be somebody. And they would be sad and, and look so needy. And something would tell me, you know, speak to her. And all I said is, Jesus loves you. And then they would break down and cry. And then you get those that want to run away from you. I had that too. But, you know, God is looking for us not to be uh, discouraged because people don't want to hear. See, people think that God is angry at them because they're looking at the world. And they think that God is going to be mean to them and say something that they don't want to hear. And this is why we don't need to add judgment to our ministry. I'll say that to your personal ministry. But add love. And, you know, and these are the things that, you know, will cause a heart to melt, cause a person to want to uh, follow Christ. So we're to be examples and not uh, judges. Amen. Because that's not our ministry. And God is the only fair and righteous judge. And I thank God that uh, that God gives uh, his people a chance to get it right. And not just one or two, but over and over again, he gives us a chance to get it right, to repent. And, and you know, he'll give you, um, how can I say it? He'll give you uh, examples of what you're, and what and how you're supposed to think and take care of different situations with more compassion and more, um, love. Amen. And see, there's a way you can get a message of hope over to a person without condemning them. Amen. Cause hope is supposed to be just that. It's supposed to be hope. It's not supposed to be, well, no, I see people on, on, uh, uh, Facebook that I know personally tell people you they're going to hell wow. just because they did one or two things wrong. And really, they don't even know the person personally. They just, you know, people are just, I don't know what to say, um, religious. And what's another word? Everybody's quiet. What you going to say? I don't know. <laughs> Judgmental. Self, that's the self-righteous. And so they look at the few things that they've done right, and then they want to judge somebody else on that. But that's not the, the way of Jesus. It says that Jesus was full of compassion, and he loved the brethren. And he loved those in the world that was out there sinning every day, that didn't know their way, that was cursing him, cursing his name, he loved them too. And this is why on the cross he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He had forgiven them because he knew that they were lost. And so when we minister to people and when we carry them in our hearts, we're supposed to have that same understanding. Amen. Hey, it's like your family. I hate to, I use this as an example because everybody's been through this. And when you get saved, they don't like you no more. And they want to criticize you, but it's because they don't know. Amen. And the devil wants to try to hold you at bay. Make you stop uh, serving God. Because he knows that if you get this thing under your belt, 
you're going to find out who you really are in Christ Jesus. And you're going to start bossing him around and telling him where he's not allowed. And he knows that. So if he can keep you bound or put you back in, in, into, uh, those chains that he got you out of, that's what he wants to do. And he uses the closest people around you. How else is he going to get to you? And so he'll use the people who are dear to your heart because he wants to stop you from coming out. And I mean that in a good way. <laughs> because if you come out, everybody else is coming out. Amen. I'm telling you, if you stand... And don't change. I guarantee you everybody will follow you. But all of that turmoil, you just have to turn it off. Amen. And you have to stay with God. Amen. Even if they don't like you, who cares? You'll get used to it. Amen. Every, all of us did. But, you know, this is the thing you have to understand. The person that they're going to put on speed dial is you. Amen. They will put you on speed. They don't have the, the uh, Uncle Crackhead or Auntie um, Drunk drunk Drink More. They're not going to call them. They're going to call you. Amen. The one that doesn't have an exciting life anymore. You no, know, they're going to call you. And so you just be ready for that call. And, and practice uh, compassion. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So Jesus genuinely cares for each and every one of us. And he cares on an individual level. And this is what I like about God. He cares individually. He's not just giving you a mass care or a mass love or a mass concern. But he's concerned about you individually. He cares about what you went through to get here today. He cares about everything that happened to you yesterday. He cares. And I'm telling you, he will do something about it. Well, he's already done it. So anybody that's going through a little bit of extra pressure right now, know that God is with you. Amen. And he cares. Even if you messed up. And this was hard for me to understand coming from a Baptist background. Even if you mess up, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all of your unrighteousness. You know, in the traditional church, they always try to make you feel like you got to earn. You have to earn forgiveness. Forgiveness is God forgave you before you even asked, before you even repented. (laughs) He is so compassionate. Amen. The Bible says he is full of compassion. And that word compassion, you know, I like to look stuff up, and it means to suffer with. That is the best um, definition I could find, to suffer with. That's like a Bible definition. It means also to care, to be concerned, to have sympathy, empathy, understanding, and mercy. And Jesus suffers with your suffering. See, he suffers with you. He doesn't sit up and watch you suffer and then make a decision. Oh, well, did they suffer enough? Did they say I'm sorry enough? Did they look sad enough? Did they cry enough? Because see, your mind will tell you all that crazy stuff. 
And see, we used to believe that stuff when we were into religion. We thought that we had to do a certain step and formula to get forgiveness. But Jesus has already forgiven us. Why? Because he suffered with. To me, that makes so much sense. He suffered with us. When we were going through, he went through too. He goes through every pain. He goes through every disappointment. He goes through everything that you go through. When the devil tries to take advantage of you, he's there. Amen. You didn't go through alone. Now, you may feel alone. So what do I I say about feeling? We don't live by how we feel. Sometimes things can happen to you and you can feel like you're by yourself. But Jesus says, no, you're not alone. I went through that with you. He can tell you dates, time, and moments, and we can't. We can't even recall the date or the time sometimes. But he can because he was there. Amen. Hallelujah. He was there. And so he suffers with us. But he can also deliver us out of whatever plagues us. He suffers with, but he delivers out. And I think that is so fantastic. Amen. Who else can do that? Nobody. Nobody. Hallelujah. He fixes things. He desires to help us. But we must also trust him with our problems. See, if you don't trust him, what what can he? You know, you got to ask him into your situation. He's with you and he's going through with you, but you got to ask him. You got to give him permission to be in your business. Amen. The Bible says to cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. That's first Peter five, seven, I think. First Peter five, seven, casting your cares upon him. He cares for you. Amen. He's our caretaker. We need to start looking at Jesus as your babysitter. Amen. Because who better can take care of you than him? Amen. When people say harsh things to you, when the family turn on you and they want to slay you, you got a babysitter. Amen. And he stays with you and he encourages you and he's not mad at you. Everybody else may be mad at you, but he's not. Hallelujah. He is not mad at you. He's your friend, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And sometimes we have to remember who he is to us. He wants to provide our daily needs. That's his job. Amen. And he's doing his job. Well, I don't feel like it's because you ain't letting him. Don't forget, you have to repent and ask him into your situation because he's there. Amen. Those times when you fail, he carries you. Those times when you, you know, were on your face, he lifted you or however you want to fix it. He was there. He was there. He was not somewhere twiddling his thumbs, waiting on you to come to your senses. He still be twiddling. But, you know, so (laughs) and so we need to just trust Trust that he's doing his job. Amen. Hallelujah. Those that thronged him. Those that pushed and tried to get to him. Those that thronged him. They didn't know where to turn. And he was moved with compassion for them. 
Everywhere he looked, people were fighting over him, trying to get to him. Amen. But in a wrong way, because they just wanted a piece of Jesus. Jesus, help us. They were so in need of him. Amen. And he loved them so much. And this is why he has such great compassion for them because they didn't know him. Amen. They didn't know him. Hallelujah. Let's go to, let's see, Psalm 87. Sorry to take you back, but you need to go back. Hallelujah. Psalm 87, verse 15. Uh oh. Is there a 15? No. Maybe I wrote that down wrong. Let's see. Let's try five. Mm -mm. Wrong scripture. It, well, it says, say that again. 86. I don't think so, but let me try. Anything sounds better than what I got now. Yeah, that's it. Okay, thank you. And it says, but you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and truth. Hallelujah. So he's abundant in mercy and truth. See, Jesus won't pull your leg. See, man will lie to you all day. And make you think, oh, you know, I didn't really say that. Or did you read the small print? But Jesus doesn't have any small print. <laughs> Amen. Long-suffering and abundant in mercy. And he's abundant in truth. He won't lie to you. He won't lead you astray. He won't sell you a lemon. Amen. But whatever he has is good all the time. Hallelujah. Thank you. Luke 10, let's go there. Luke chapter 10. Okay, let's go to verse 30. And this is talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Hallelujah. And we need to take... Um, we need to use the Good Samaritan as our example. I'll put it like that. So let's see. Luke 10, 30, it says, Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. In other words, some crooked people met him on the road and jumped him. Amen. Who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, that means beat him up, and departed, left him on the side of the road for dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the, that road. And then he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Amen. He crossed the street, crossed the road. Hallelujah. And so didn't, now mind you, this is a priest. Not trying to put priests down, but hey, I'm just reading the Bible. Amen. So he crossed on the other side. Verse 32 says, likewise, 
a Levite. Then he arrived and the place came and looked and passed by on the other side. Shut those doors, Nikki. Hallelujah. Thank you. I'll read 32 again. It says, likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, then he looked and passed by on the other side. Now, let's, I'm binding trouble right now. Satan, I break your power in the name of Jesus. We bind trouble and we bind every evil work. We cause it to fail right now in Jesus' name. And we thank and praise you, Father. And we give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so let's do 32 again. It says, likewise, a Levite or scribe. When, and that, uh, a scribe is like a theologian, person that's supposed to have all this wisdom, or a book writer, or a recorder. Anyway, he's supposed to be like an important person. Let's leave it like that. So it says, likewise, a Levite. I just want you to understand who these people were that passed by. First, a priest, then a Levite. It says, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Hmm. So he went on the other side, too, and left the man there on the side of the road. Verse 33 says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Amen. Now, this person, this Samaritan, they never got along with Jews. Amen. It's kind of like the Hatfield and the McCoys. There's always an ongoing. It was a racial prejudice type of thing. Amen. But he didn't, he didn't pass by on the other side. He went over to the man and, and took care of him. So let's read what happened. Verse 34. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, uh, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Let you think about that for a minute. Verse 37 says, and he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Amen. Hallelujah. And so Jesus is saying that very thing to you and me. He's saying, go and do just like that Samaritan on the road. Be a a good, what is a good neighbor. Be a a person that shows compassion for another person that's not doing well. Don't cross the street. A lot of people run from trouble because they don't want any parts of trouble. You can see that when the cameras go out on the street and something bad happens. Some people just don't want to get involved. But we must get involved. Jesus always gets involved in what we're concerned about. He always gets involved in what uh, what is concerning you and me. He never walks away from us and leave us and go across the street. 
He never uh, uh, forsakes us. He is always involved with what uh, is concerning us. And so we're supposed to be uh, an example just like Jesus was. Amen. Hallelujah. So Jesus wants to teach us compassion for others. And we should be like the Good Samaritan. Hallelujah. Don't criticize. I think we talked about that. Or put down people but love them. Amen. Especially when they don't know God. Especially when they're new to the church system. You know, but so many churches brand people and they don't want to, you know, I won't go there today. It's Easter. But you know what I'm saying. But we need to show God that we care and that we're learning from our examples. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to Luke 7. We'll see another example. Let's go back a couple pages. Let's see. Luke 7, 13. Hallelujah. And this is the widow, the widow of Nain, N-A-I-N. And the Lord saw her, and he had compassion with her, on her. And he said, do not weep. I'm just giving you a little intro. He told her not to weep and said uh, to her dead son, young man, arise. And so God is saying so much just in that when he told her not to weep. Our tears motivate Jesus, you know. When you weep, he weep. He is motivated by our weeping. Why? Because he he is with us in our pain. He is moved by our tears. He is moved by our uh, our sadness, not that he likes to see it, because that's not what I'm saying about being moved. But he, when you're full of compassion, you go, you you suffer with. So when you cry, in other words, he cried. When you're sad, he's sad. And he wants us to be encouraged. And so I think this is why, I know this is why he never leaves us. Amen. He's always encouraging us. Okay, so let's read. um, Let's start in verse 11. It says, Now it happened the day after that, he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. See, you're never alone when you, you know, in hard times. And there's the big, the crowd, and pretty, pretty much they put him there. Oh, you know, he's got, you know, he, he had a run in with the law, and I mean, you know how people talk. And they, they cause, these things to happen, I'll put it like this. I'll give you an example. Just like the uh, family members coming when they know you have a life-threatening disease, here they come on the plane, willing to spend money to come and speed it up a little bit. They want to speed it up. 
so that they won't be, uh, what's the word? Inconvenienced. Yes. So this is what, how they roll. And so the crowd that was following him, I would have um, um, imagined were the mourners. The mourners and the ones that, you know, want to comfort her and make her cry more. It's it's like I was uh, listening to this uh, video. It was by Kenneth Hagen, and he this good friend of his wife, her husband had passed away, and she told him. She said, "You know," she says, "I'm okay until I get around my friends, and then they make me cry." Her friends, and so she said, "Can I come to your house?" And stay a few days with you and, and your wife because every time I'm around you, I'm, I'm encouraged and I don't think about how sad I am. He said, yeah, and she went and stayed with them and he said she even went shopping with his wife and they had a lot of girl time and they, she came with them to their meetings and she was so encouraged. And then when she went back home, she stayed about two weeks, went back home. She's back depressed again because her friends kept coming over. And so she said, called him, can I come again? He said, yes. So she came again. But at the before the end of that uh, visit, she came to a conclusion. She says, you know, she says, I'm not going to have them anymore. She says, I'm not going to be around them because they make me sad because they keep bringing up, uh, you know, what happened. And not that she wasn't accepting what happened, but she didn't want to relive it all over again. But she finally came to a decision to keep her life separate from the mourners. Because I'm telling you, mourners carry that death spirit on them. Amen. And so that's why she was feeling <laughs> sad when they would come around because they were there to make her sad because that's their job. Amen. Hard to believe, but that's what they do. All right. So let's see where are we at. That was verse 11. Okay. I think that was uh, verse 12. No, 11. Y'all don't know. Okay, let's do 13. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. See, Jesus was moved with compassion because this lady was in deep uh, hurt. She was in grief and Jesus didn't like it. Verse 15 says, so he who was dead sat up and began, wait a minute. 14. Then he came and touched the, the, and opened the coffin. <clears throat> and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And that's what God is speaking to a lot of us right now. The, a lot of people who are dead because they are not doing anything. Uh, how can I put this? They're not doing anything to promote the kingdom or to mention Christ to anybody. You know, sometimes you get uh, trying to pick my words. 
you get entangled in what's going on with you. But God is saying in this hour, arise. Is this making sense to anybody? Those who are dead. Amen. Arise. Hallelujah. And let the Lord work in you. See, just because you have a situation doesn't mean God can't use you during in and during your situation. Hallelujah. In fact, when you work for God, no matter what's going on in your life, he is definitely working on your situation. And so he's telling every dead spirit, arise. Amen. Hallelujah. 15 says, so he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And this is like what God wants us to do. Those who have not been ministering the gospel. Those who have been thinking that they're all alone. Thinking that Jesus is not with them. Thinking that they have something to prove to other people. Amen. He's saying, begin to speak. Begin to declare who Jesus is. Amen. Arise and decree and declare who you are in him. Declare what he's doing for you and in you. Amen. And through you. Hallelujah. So begin to speak. I'm in uh, 15. And he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all. See, now the mourners scared. They weren't scared before. They was happy because it was a celebrate. We celebrating his life. Hallelujah. And now they're scared because this boy done got up out of the casket. And he <laughs> he is very much alive. Because, see, Jesus has uh, not only healing power, but he has resurrection power. Amen. He has life. There is life in the name of Jesus. He is life. And he speaks life to every situation that you can be involved in. You know, and this is why we need to speak life to our bodies, life to our situation, life to your bank account, life to every situation that you come in contact with. Amen. Because the devil wants to rob you blind and pluck out your eyes he is never satisfied and so you need to fight back with your faith fight with your decree amen hallelujah and so jesus with that resurrection power said young man rise hallelujah and so and let's see where are we at oh 16 when fear came upon them all and it says them all and they glorified God saying a great prophet has risen up among us who cares who he was I'm just thankful that the boy rose up I'm thankful that the woman was no longer sad I'm thankful that the situation turned around see God is tipping the tables amen can you see that he is tipping things he is flipping the tables and he is Taking care of situations. Look, he wants you to win. He does no longer. I mean, he has never wanted you to lose, but no longer will he sit and watch you uh, just be confused. Amen. If he has 
compassion on the world, he certainly has compassion on his people. Amen. Because he loves us so much. And even though we bring things upon ourselves, he does not want us to be um, caught up in something that we can't handle. And so he wants to deliver us out of whatever situation we get ourselves into. Amen. Whether it was because of negligence or he doesn't care. That stuff is not important. The devil is a liar. He wants to make you feel like everything is your fault. And you shouldn't have done it. Well, maybe you shouldn't have. But that's not coming from him. That's coming from the evil one. Amen. And so we have to uh, start to trust that voice on the inside of us and not the voice that's up here in our heads. Amen. <laughs> we need to make a choice and take a stand. Hallelujah. Rise. Arise, church. Arise and, and put on strength. Amen. Hallelujah. Stop sleeping and start to minister life to others. And that thing will catch up with you. Hallelujah. So now they want to name him a prophet. Oh, a prophet has risen up among us. And God has visited his people. Verse 17. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding regions. Hallelujah. All right, let me get up. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So Jesus defeated death. When he told that young guy to get up out of that grave, he defeated death just like he defeated it on the cross. Hallelujah. So we're seeing him act, well, do things that he's always and already done. This is not new. Amen. Hallelujah. So Jesus is concerned. He cares about us and he'll do miracles in our lives and he'll do miracles and we don't have to beg him. We don't even have to ask him. This is what impressed me about Jesus. All of these situations that he came into, nobody asked him. Nobody begged, oh, help me. He was already on the scene because he is so compassionate. Not, now I'm not saying don't ask. I'm just, this illustrates how much he cares. That they, this, this woman didn't say, raise my son from the dead. He just saw her sadness. He saw who she was and what she was going through and he felt for her. And so he intervened. And he will intervene in any situation that you have. Just trust him. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's see. Let's go to Luke 13. Luke 13. Verse 10. This is the woman with the infirmity. Amen. And this woman didn't ask Jesus for anything. She didn't beg or plead for anything. But when he saw her, he called to her. And he said, woman, you are loosed. I think this is where a lot of people get their theme from their women's groups. Amen. It would be nice if they would follow through. Amen. Hallelujah. These meetings should be full of compassion because Jesus is full of compassion. Of course, you know, a lot of people have made them money makers. But in verse 10, it says, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. 
Now, why was Jesus in the synagogue? Because he followed, he, Jesus followed all of the instructions. Amen. There was a rule that you couldn't preach in a synagogue and if you were under 30. You had to be at least 30 years old. He followed that rule. He followed every rule that uh, the kings or whoever set. Amen. He followed the rules. And so he preached in the in the synagogues because he he wanted to touch those people, too. And then he went outside the walls of the church, which is what we're supposed to do, what he's doing. He preached in church and he preached outside of the church. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmities 18 years and was bent over and could not in no wise raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called to her, um, he called her to him and said, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. Now, can you imagine that? He didn't, he didn't think that any, this is the way that the church system is. Amen. The ruler of the synagogue was angry because he healed on the Sabbath. But then this is Jesus. He, he got them told. So, uh, let's see. Where am I at? Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six, this is what the ruler of the synagogue said. There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath. And the Lord then answered and said to him, hypocrite, does not each of you on the Sabbath lose his ox, loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? In other words, you let your animals drink on Sunday. But you mean to tell me this lady who've been attacked by the devil with a spirit of infirmity, should suffer more time than she already has. And so he confronted. See, Jesus didn't hold his tongue. That's why nobody liked him. Oh, here he come. (laughs) Verse 16. So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, hallelujah, that's me, whom Satan has bound, think of it, he says, for 18 years, be loosed from his bond, this bond of the, uh, on the Sabbath. Uh, verse 17. And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Amen. And they rejoiced because it was truth. See, they rejoiced for truth. People really want truth. They really do want truth. Amen. They, they don't want lies anymore. She, see, Jesus acknowledged who she was. She was a daughter of Abraham. She was in covenant with him and his father. She was in covenant and she had a right to be healed. Just like you and me, all of us, you know, we have a right to be healed because we are daughters and sons of Abraham. We are in covenant with God. Amen. And so those uh, uh, rules or uh, that say um, 
like in what's that Galatians 3:13 that says we're redeemed from the curse of the law. See Jesus died for all of these things. And you notice this was back when he lived, but he still lives. But what I'm trying to say is Jesus is the same today as he was over 2000 years ago when he walked the earth. And he still say we are sons and daughters of Abraham and we ought to be healed. Hallelujah. Amen. We ought to be healed. And so, you know, we need to tell the devil. This is what I tell the devil every day. No, I'm the daughter of Abraham. I'm the daughter of Abraham. So you got to know who you are. And Jesus knew who this woman was. And this is why he spoke up for her. And he had great compassion for her because he knew that she ought to be healed. Hallelujah. So I love that scripture. Praise God. All right, let's go to Mark 1. Amen. Praise God. I love that scripture. Let's go to Mark 1. Mark 1, verse 40. Hallelujah. And we're going to talk about Jesus cleansing the leper. He heard of Jesus. He heard of Jesus' works and Jesus' great love. Amen. This leper. And he was going around asking everybody about Jesus. See, that word spreads. Oh, he's a miracle worker. He has love and compassion for everybody. You know, and so people long to be touched by him. Hallelujah. So this man being a leper, Jesus had compassion for him because he understood how this man had been ostracized by uh, humanity. When you're a leper, nobody wants to be around you. You really can't be by law. You cannot be around anybody. You know, they send you to some camp or somewhere in the desert or wherever where nobody is because you're contagious. And so Jesus had uh, compassion for this man and every leper because they have to leave their families, leave the uh, what's dear to them, their, their neighbors, their uh, wife. He, it doesn't matter if you, honey, if you have leprosy, your wife don't want to be bothered with you. <laughs> Oh, can honey stay home? No, it's not like this. Just get rid of honey. Because, you know, me and I got to think about the children. And so Jesus had compassion over this leper. Amen. And so to get back into humanity, lepers had to be cleansed. Even if Jesus laid hands on them, they had to show themselves to the priest. Amen. Hallelujah. There was a, in other words, there was a procedure that, uh, was the law and that was the priest had to announce you cleansed. Are y'all here today? So Luke 15, let's start in verse 16. Oh, I don't even have a page. Wait a minute. Say that again. Mark one. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I got it. I I got ahead of myself. Okay, Mark 1, verse 40, I think. And it says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, uh, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, listen to what he's saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. 
A lot of people ask Jesus that when he when they want to be healed. A lot of us us say, I know you can, God, but are you willing? Amen. Hallelujah. So if you are willing, you can make me clean. But notice he didn't say, can you make me clean? He said, if. So he came with faith. Uh, Amen. Verse 41, then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once. Okay. And uh, let's see. Okay. It says that he warned him, verse 44. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing. Those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So Moses um, had a law that before any leper got back into mainstream society, I'll say, that they had to go through a ceremonial type thing with the priest. Amen. And so Jesus is not a lawbreaker. He could have just said, eh, go on, I'm Jesus. But he told him, no, go show yourself to the priest because he follows the laws, the laws of the land. Verse 45, however, he went out and began to proclaim, of course, everybody does it. They don't, Jesus tell them not to talk and they talk anyway. Why does Jesus always suggest that? He suggests that because he doesn't want a big old crowd thronging him jumping him see he likes to go where god sends him you know he's led by the spirit and he wants that to work for everybody and so this is why he usually tell people don't say nothing of course he know they're gonna say something (laughs) they always say something amen let's see where am i at in this story 45 And it says, however, he went out and begun to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city. See, then he had to go back into hiding. It says, but was outside in deserted places. Uh, And he didn't want that. Jesus wanted to be where the people were so he can pass by. And see somebody in need. Have compassion for them and touch them. But see, big mouths make this impossible. And so we have to go into the desert places. Amen. Not that he can't work there too, but this is how God uh, um, commissioned him to work. Amen. Hallelujah. So it says, and they came to him from every direction. And that's what he was trying to avoid. Let's see how far am I going in this. I don't know. Okay. I don't think I need to to um, to go any further. Yeah, because that's it. And so he had to um, Jesus had to make sure that he was able. See, that can shut down a ministry. You know, when everybody is 
all hyped up. Every see, because the devil wants to send you wrong people, people to get in your midst, get in your mix, and mess things up. And so Jesus likes to kind of flow with the Spirit, and because He wants to do great and mighty works, and so He likes to move in not in secrecy, but just move the way the Holy Spirit uh, leads Him. But, you know, of course, he know that everybody's going to say something. Amen. But he's a, a God of compassion. This man being a leper, Jesus understood this man and, and his situation. So he moved. I did want to read a little bit about how uh, how that ritual that ritual was done. I can't remember. It's in Leviticus. I want to give you the scripture. <sighs> it's in Leviticus. I know that and it talks about the ritual that lepers have to go through. Say it again. 14, Leviticus 14. She's always just popping up with the scriptures. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, Leviticus 14. This is better be it, funny bunny. (laughs) Oh, let's see. Is this the one? I'm just going to read a little bit and see if this is where I want to be. Yeah, it is. Thank you. Okay, let's start in one. It says, then the Lord, (laughs) I hear you over there, Nikki. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. I'm in 14.1 of Leviticus. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest. See, so this is why Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And this was a law of Moses. And the priest shall go out of the camp. And the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed, uh, and if indeed the leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. Uh, let's see. As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them in the living bird, in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. Amen. So just like the bird was the living bird was loosed, so the leper will be loosed back into society. Amen. I'm just going to do eight. It says, he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, and this is significant, shave off all his hair and wash himself in water, and he may be clean. After that, he shall come into the camp and shall stay outside his tent seven days. 
But on the seventh day, he shall shave all his hair off, his head and his beard and his eyebrow. Even your eyebrows have to go. See, I think this is because they don't want any kind of a, what's, what's DNA. You know, they want to make sure. See, he's been healed in the spirit realm, but they want to make sure he's healed and cleansed in the natural. So this is their way. Amen. What can you do about it? Got to go through the process. It says, um, so he shall shave off his hair, off his head and his beard and his eyebrows and his hair. He shall shave off. He shall wash his clothes. It's like we don't want nothing in your clothes and wash his body in water and he shall be clean. Amen. And it says, and on the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish. One, what's that? Ooh, ew. Lamb of the first year without blemish, three tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed in oil. You know, it's a process. I'm tired of reading. But it says, then the priest who makes him clean shall present the man who is to be clean and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. Look, Jesus has gone on about his business. He's cool with it. He know that the man is healed, but you you know, but there is a, a natural process that he know if these people want to get back into mainstream, uh, you know, they they have to go through this process. Amen. Let's go to Luke 15. We're going to talk about the uh, prodigal son and how Jesus had compassion for him. How much time do we have, timekeeper? Mrs. Producer. Okay. Hallelujah. Luke 15, that's back where we were. Jesus full of compassion. It's like there's nothing like it. 1516, and you know the story. Jesus is our example. So we're to mirror him in everyday life. Now, he, the prodigal son, went out. He wanted his inheritance early. His father gave it to him. As you know, he wasted it up on fake friends and riotous living. And this is what he wanted to do. And so the father let him do it. Amen. He went out, spent his money on drinking, well, whatever, riotous. And when he was down and out, became poor again, he wanted to come back. And his father was so glad he did. Amen. I'm glad this story is in the Bible because it lets us know that whatever someone does they they deserve a chance back now this is what us christians do we put a honey he stepped over this line or he did too much it's never too much (laughs) never too much whose line is that not god's line because god says that you know there's Nothing that cannot be forgiven. Nothing. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
nothing that cannot be forgiven. All right, so let's start in verse 16. No, I'm sorry. In Yeah, let's go to 16. I'm not reading all of this stuff for you. Read it when you go home. Verse 16 says, And he would gladly have filled the stomach, his stomach with pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, hallelujah, and this is when he cried out to God. Do you know how much Jesus was praying for him? Couldn't wait until he came to this point. Oh, if he would just only just cry out. Oh, isn't he tired yet? Amen. And so this is why Jesus never leaves us nor forsake us. Why would he want us to get to that breaking point and then I'm out? He just won't do that to us. He's he's joyful when we get to our breaking point. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh Uh-oh, I forgot where I was. Um, Okay, well, I'll do 16. And then it says, and he would gladly have filled his stomach. Okay, 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. In other words, when I was at home, my father had plenty of food. Here I am starving. That would straighten anybody up, wouldn't it? Hallelujah. I will arise. Notice that word, arise. That's what Jesus told that widow of Nain, told her son, arise, young man. I'm telling you, it's time to arise. You don't hear that multiple times for nothing. Arise and do what? Arise and and uh, proclaim Jesus to every creature. That's what time it is. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like a servant, a hired servant. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still off a great way, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Hallelujah. And that, that ring and that best, the best that he talked about, the best robe and put a ring. That was uh, more of his inheritance that he didn't know about. Amen. Those were the hidden treasures. Hallelujah. He says, put the sandals on his feet. Amen. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to be merry. But the older brother was in the field working and he came and drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing and he's like thank you it's like i didn't i wasn't aware of the party 
I didn't get the memo for the party. Amen. So it's like, what's all this about? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, boy. Where am I? Let's go to 28. It says, uh, but he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. See, his father wasn't trying to make him feel stupid for staying and doing what he was supposed to do. The father loved both his sons the same. Amen. But when one fall, don't you need the father more when you fall than somebody else that's doing what they're supposed to do? Amen. But see, the people who do what they're supposed to do get offended. See, I didn't do that. See, I didn't do all that stuff. And look what he's doing for them. But that's not how God rolls. Amen. Hallelujah. God is just. He is faithful. Amen. That youngest son needed him more than the older son. He needed him. He gave him what he needed right then and there. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's see. Verse 29. I'm just going to read what the older son said. He says, so he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandments and at any time. And yet you have never given me a young goat. Amen. That. Uh, I might make merry with my friends. Amen. And so he is saying, uh, God, I think, was trying to show him some unforgiveness in his heart. Amen. So you can do all the right things, but your heart is wrong. Not to discourage doing the right thing. We're supposed to do the right thing. But do the right thing with a willing heart and not an angry heart. Well, I'm going to do it, but this ain't fair. Has it, have any of you been there? Amen. Amen. We all have. Let's jump down to 31. It says, and he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. And so it's like this. Look, whatever I have is yours, too. I'm not trying to take anything away from you, but we must forgive. And we must allow this uh, prodigal to come back. You know, when you allow them to come back, you have to allow them to settle in, to not feel condemned, to flourish, amen, and to find their place in the kingdom of God. This we must do. It's our job, amen. Hallelujah. Jesus suffers with us and shows mercy every time. Amen. And this is the thing about him with each new day comes new mercy. I have one more if you write it down because we're almost out of town time and it's Mark 8. Mark 8 verse 2. Jesus had compassion on the multitude because they had been with him three days. This is when he he uh, fed the fish and the bread. And he had compassion with them because they had been following him for three days. Think of it, three days they didn't eat or drink. So really they were on a, a fast, so to speak. Didn't know it, but they were on a fast. Can you imagine how many people would have been, how many church people would have been complaining? I'm hot, I'm hungry, I'm tired, I've been here three days, you know. But these people uh, were following him, listening to the word, 
You know, he was preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. And they had nothing to eat. And he didn't want to send them on their way empty because they might not even have the strength to make it back to a far place that they came from. And so what did he do? He told the disciples to, uh, what do you have? And he, uh, they had bread and I think they brought the fish and he fed the thousands. Amen. Hallelujah. So he, he laid down as a human in the boat. You know, they thought he didn't care about them, the disciples, and he was down there sleeping. He was tired. He slept as a human, but he rose up in all power as, as the Lord Jesus Christ Almighty. <laughs> Amen. And so Jesus, listen, he is with you in power. He is with you in sick and weakness. He is with you in everything that you go through. You know, he rose up and started speaking to the storm. But he was down there sleeping like everybody else. And so, you know, Jesus loves us any kind of way, every kind of way. He has compassion, great compassion for his people, and he loves us. Any situation, every situation that you get in, when you feel your loneliest, know that God is with you. I'm telling you, I bet you when you feel your loneliest, that's when he's with you the most. All you got to do is reach out and touch him. Amen. (laughs) And you know that he is there. Call on him and he will not uh, reject you. He will not ignore you like man. But Jesus will never turn you away. Amen. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for this day. Hallelujah. We thank you for Resurrection Sunday. And we thank you that we serve a God that is full of compassion and that he is with us. And he is with us as a mighty, terrible one. Hallelujah. He will cause our persecutors to stumble and fail. And so we thank you, Father, that sometimes we don't even have to call you. You are there for us. And we thank you and we bless you and we give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen and praise.